0: Greetings and thank you for checking out this sermon from Kingdom Life Community Church in Morse, Illinois. If you'd like more information about our church, go to kingdomlife.global. And now here is the sermon from our pastor, Steve Harmon. Uh, we're going to be talking about holiness. Uh, we've, we started out with grace in February and March is going to be our holiness month. Um, they are very they're very closely related, they, although they stand on, you know, kind of, it, it seems like different ends of the spectrum. They're actually very closely related. As a matter of fact, you'll hear a lot of the same scriptures in the Bible because you can't have one without the other, especially if you're us, <laughs> if you're mankind. And so um, I was born and raised in uh, what you would call the, the holiness movement, which, I don't know, started in what, 40s, 50s? maybe earlier than that it was it was the holiness movement of the church and um, and then the hippies came in the 70s and ruined it all but uh, no I'm just kidding Um, it was uh, and so uh, I what I experienced growing up and most of y'all know this in the Nazarene church was um, the remnants of the holiness movement so there are movements that happen through time and it's not all about you know uh, charismatic or, uh, you know, miracle signs and wonders. So those accompany, th- that's not really a season. That's just the gospel, okay? But there are seasons where God seems to highlight things, emphasize maybe uh, a part of a character of who he is because, you know, maybe we're missing it or maybe we just, who knows? It's up to God. And so there's a, there was a season in time when God was really in emphasizing the holiness of who he was. It's not that he wasn't just holy then. He is holy, right? We understand that. Uh, and so, but there are times and seasons where sometimes there seems to be a stronger emphasis than others of a certain characteristic of who God is. And so there have been seasons of immense grace, right? That And there have been, that we, you know, we understand the or we're experiencing the grace of who he is. There have been seasons of great, Holiness, where we uh, we understand that you know we really do uh, we really do serve a living God, and and I think um, you know don't don't quote me, it's it's not like a thus saith the Lord, but I just kind of get this feeling that we're 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 transitioning back into a season of emphasis on the holiness of God from the Lord, and so it's not just about these four weeks we're going to be talking about the holiness of the lord i think we're going to be in a a a prolonged season of emphasis of of the holiness of who he is now um there's two ways to respond to that um duck and cover (laughs) because holiness is serious right um which is the wrong kind of fear or to receive it in the fear of the lord which understands uh you know uh, uh, it's it's the fear of the lord is just it is it can be i mean he's he's god right you are god and i am not right so let my words be few he he is god and so uh, when we see this idea of the holiness of who he is it's nothing that we can compare it to there's nothing we have on earth that can come close to comparing of the holiness of who he is and so that's why uh, because we're sinful and so we've, we've never been at that level. Like Adam may have had a hint of it, you know, walking through the garden and God comes. And there was nothing to be afraid of, right, because there's no sin there. There's innocence uh, but there's and there's there's no sin and so there, there's nothing to truly be afraid. And the fear comes when they violated the holiness of of his commands and the holiness of his character. And now their character no longer matches his character because of sin in their life. And because of that, they hide themselves. And many people. Uh, Church, we, do like a, we can do a couple different things. We can try and hide ourselves from the holiness of God or we can, we can add different things to our theology that make it like, uh, like Diet Pop. It doesn't have all the calories of holiness in it, but we just, we, you know, Diet Pop has aspartame, you know, and uh, it, it, so it's supposed to be, in, you know, when it first came out, it's supposed to be better for you than regular pop. We find out it's really not better for you at all. It's, it's worse uh, because of the chemicals that they put in it to try and make it better for you. Right? And so we do that sometimes with the holiness of God. We explain some things away or we we bring down the level of, of God or or Jesus. We bring down his level just a little bit so that we can kind of feel on an even par with him because his holiness and his sacrifice and of it's just too much for us because of the sinfulness in our lives or the sin in our lives or just because we have got the the inherited sin maybe you're walking great and that's awesome it still doesn't compare by by any what you're walking doesn't compare in any way to the holiness of who God is and so when people sin and violate that um, people run and they hide or they explain it away and they they delve into things that pervert the grace of Lord, the Lord to explain why they can still keep doing without fear of punishment, those sinful things. That's not saying if you're struggling with something that God is throwing something at you. No, no, The, the people, what I'm talking about is the people who have engaged in sinful behavior and have no regret for it. That's what I'm talking about. And, and we'll say things like, uh, we'll enter into the sinful things of the world, but yet talk about the goodness of God. And, and we'll say things, they'll walk as if there's no contradiction, because they, they'll say things like, well, if, if God wants me to, to be delivered of that, then God will deliver it, because God is sovereign. Otherwise, he's teaching me something through the sin that I love to do. Have you ever heard that before? I mean, I, I've heard that a few times. Sometimes there's doctrines that, that preach that. They pervert the grace of the Lord, uh, licentiousness or whatever, uh, laziness. And so uh, that's what I'm talking about when we have no fear of the sin that we do anymore because we don't understand that the sin that we get ourselves involved into is, is not just something you're trying to get past. It's not just something you're trying to make yourself better of. What your sin does is violate the holiness of who God is. That could be good or bad. Let's give it a second. Okay. No worries. I can see you better anyway. But Facebook world, it got a little dark. I'll hide under this light for you. So it's just a a switch, that blue. Ben will fix it. So, um... So it's important for us to carry, as we struggle as human beings, whether whatever the things that we struggle with, it's important for us to understand. I'm not just trying to make myself better. My sin actually violates the holiness and the character of who God actually is. And so that becomes a serious thing. His holiness is real and His holiness is true. And listen, His holiness is going to be poured out at the end because... Uh, those who have not received Jesus in in the end times and and the eschatology stuff starts happening and and the brown stuff on the ground starts hitting the spinny thing in the ceiling all that stuff that's going to happen is going to be the holiness of God that's going to play itself out on people that have not received his grace because God's wrath is it's not that it's not that there's two different gods there's a god of the old testament and then there's a god of of the new testament people can't realize that what that's just silly what we what we don't understand is that it's not a different god from the old testament it's not than the new testament it is god period and you're seeing in the in the first in the old testament what you're seeing is a way that people are trying to relate to god on basis of a law that is supposed to expose their sin And and somewhere down the line, they're thinking that they can have the ability to keep the law and to do good enough things to make God happy. Or to be on an even level with God. And, and so Paul's going to go through this in the book of Romans and talk about how that doesn't work whatsoever. And so sometimes you'll see, you'll see judgment in the Old Testament because people are violating the holiness of God. And not just violating the holiness of God, but they're also violating the, the uh, sacrificial system of how to make themselves right with God. OK, so they'll go along this line that God set up specific things of how to make atonement on the day of atonement. Right. The certain things you're supposed to do. And so so people violate that. They, they, they have no regard for holiness. They have no regard for the right type of sacrifice. And so they're living in a type of life. They want all the blessings of God, but they don't want to deal with the holiness or holy living that comes with it. And so there, there are two types of holiness that we're going to talk about this next these next few weeks. Two types of holiness. There's perfect holiness, okay? And then practical holiness. And I, I believe that they're both in, in the Bible. And so the perfect holiness that we're going to talk about first, uh, this perfect holiness is the holiness of God. It's perfect, okay? And it, it, is, it is real. <laughs> it is, it is it's, it's indescribable and whenever man in the old testament or the new testament has 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 been encountered by it he's left wrecked by it that makes sense okay i'm i'm feeling like uh, the wizard of oz pay no attention to the man behind the curtain <laughs> all the lights are flashing and stuff so we'll get it it's just one of those things when switches flip or stuff stops and it's not going to keep the word of god from going out that's for sure so, or, or the, what is that, the Twilight Zone, Rod Sterling? There's nothing wrong with your television set, right? Okay. So go with me. Open the book of Isaiah, if you will, and we'll start with Isaiah chapter 6. Because we're going to talk about one of, these, one of these things where man comes before really the holiness of God. And, and uh, I... I <laughs> I begin to wonder, like, when, when uh, Paul is caught up to the third heaven, you know. Uh, I, I'm kind of looking at these two events, and they're kind of similar to me. Isaiah's going to explain a little bit, but Paul's like, man, I, was ca- I know this guy who was caught up into the third heaven. Whether he was in the spirit or not, I don't know. He's, what he's saying is like, what, he's talking about himself in the third person. He's like, I don't know if I was in the spirit. I don't know if I was actually there, but I was caught up in the third sevens and I saw some stuff, people. And Paul's like, I ain't even going to talk about it. It's kind of like an old bait and switch. You get all excited to hear about the story. It's like, I was caught up. I was heard, seven. I heard words that you ain't even supposed to speak. So I can't even talk about it. I, he, you know, Paul has seen things that, that if it, it would blow us out of the water in our present day and age. So imagine what it would do to a guy like Paul, right? And so seeing all these crazy things and not being able to I've heard words I, I can't you know he's, he's come in contact you really I believe with, with the holiness of, of God. I don't think it's necessarily that I saw all these future events. I saw all this different kinds of stuff, but he is before God in the third heaven. And he's like I I can't even express it. Now Isaiah Isaiah's going to be talking here in, in chapter 6 and uh, let's start with, uh, let's start at the beginning. He said, in the year that King Uzzah died, he said, I saw the Lord on a high and lofty throne, and his robe filled the temple. He said, seraphim were standing above him, and each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And they called to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. His glory fills the whole earth. And the foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voice, and the temple was filled with smoke. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? We had some, there were some, uh, smoky temples in the Old Testament in Moses' day, right? There were some smoky temples in Solomon's day, right? So it sounds about right. He's, and we know that what is on the earth in the Old Testament was an a exact representation of, of the heavenly sanctuary. And so the heavenly sanctuary is where he resides. And though, so there's the smoke, the presence of God in, in the middle of that temple, people. And he's not just looking at a temple in Jerusalem or he's not just looking at these guys. He's seeing the heavenly temple, Right? And he's seeing the seraphims that are, that are flying bef- before the presence of Almighty God. And so he is left impacted by that vision, right? He is left impacted to the point where he says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I'm a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You know, I think there's a, some expression behind his writing. I don't think it's, woe is me, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I don't think he's had that type of experience. I think he's ruined. And I think if the presence of God truly hits a place like this, the response that I see in the Bible is a lot of people falling on their face before an awesome and holy God. Notice what the seraphim does not say. They do not say, love, love, love is the Lord God Almighty. They do not say, mercy, mercy, mercy is the Lord God Almighty. He is those things. But the greatest thing they see is a holiness that no one can compare to. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy holy there is no aspect of him that is not holy he is beautiful in his holiness we can't understand that type of holiness and Isaiah in his vision he counters the Lord he sees the seraphim you know the six wings and their declaration of 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 and it actually it's something they're screaming it's, it's not necessarily a song this, this emphasis that's repeated means that there's a strong inflection of holy. It's just this, this voice coming out of these supernatural celestial beings, right? And they're shouting, holy. And it's one loud voice. And, and it's Isaiah says, you know, I imagine he's probably going like this. I don't know. But this, these celestial beings are screaming, uh, holy, at the God that they are seeing. And their voice, the Bible says, is shaking the foundations of the doorways. See, his holiness is going to shake you. <laughs> if it shakes the foundation of the doors in the temple, the heavenly temple, it's going to rock my world if, if it hits me, right? Right? Okay, so, so holy. And they're, they're, they're passing this back and forth. Holy. I remember John Vivere writing. He's like, in one of his books, he said it. He goes, he imagines that every second that they're seeing another awesome facet of his holiness. And the only way they can respond is by screaming and declaring it out. Now we know that God is love from 1 John 4, 8. God is love. We understand that. And we, we see the evidence of God's love throughout the Bible, right? For God so what? Right. It's not for God so judged. It's not for God so hated. It's not for God was so tired of all your garbage that I'm going to have to send my son. Oh. You, ever, you ever get that from your parents once in a while? Right? You know, it, it, when they're responding to you, it's not necessarily out of a loving manner. It, you, you get this feeling that's like, you know, you've been an imposition to them. Right? It's like, I am so tired of having to deal with this stuff all the time with you. Right? And it's because they're frustrated and they'll say things like, you are just lazy. You are, you're going to grow up to you're going to amount to nothing when you grow up. And they're saying these things because um, they don't want you to do that, but they're trying to scare you into being better or good. But really what it is, is, is a negative declaration to the heart that's trying to latch on so that you will carry out what they are saying about you. And it's really not what they mean. What you declare from your mouth goes out through the ears, and attaches itself to the heart of other people. It's a principle in the Bible about declaration. And just as we've talked about, the principles of the Bible are able to be used by the kingdom of heaven and by the kingdom of darkness. Darkness perverts it for its purpose. The kingdom of of heaven brings light, and it shows you how to, to... To live life upon the earth through principles and so whenever whenever I myself get frustrated I hear I hear things from my flesh that are unholy that are trying to come out and attach themselves to my children because when reality I'm I'm angry about what they're doing react when you bring that even further back what I found out about myself was this I'll just share with you because I don't think it's just common to me what we're really saying When we're yelling at our kids, and that type of voice is, I don't want you to be like me. Be better. Be better. Stop doing that. Do this. Do that. Do this, do that. And it's amazing. That I, it really is a definition of insanity because you may have grown up like that and felt that way. It's like, I don't want to raise my kids like that. And all of a sudden, it starts naturally coming out of your mouth when the frustrations of childhood begin to, to come at you. And you find yourself, sometimes you're saying these things. And sometimes these things that come out of my mouth. I'm like, all right, come here. That was frustration. That's not true. And Let's do discipline the right way. Go scoop poop, Right? <laughs> That builds character. All right. See, you can use discipline to get the kids to do what you don't want to. I didn't know if you knew that. So no, don't do this. Just kidding. No, no, no. Don't bother. All right. So all those things that, that come out of our, our, our mouth and, and, and stuff that have come out that have, have latched onto us, that are, are latching onto your children, are, are coming out of that, rev, that revelation of you, you, you really are insecure with your position of what Christ has said about you. And you've relegated yourself into living from the position of what the enemy or other people have spoken over you. And that doesn't bring freedom. That's bondage. That's something that claps, clamps down tight upon the soul and paralyzes you from doing anything. Because at the, at, the mo- at the place of it right here is this thing that's saying you're unworthy of anything. Because a father or a mother has declared that over your life. Understand, it probably wasn't for the majority of us that have gone through that. It really wasn't the intention of what they were trying to say. Some it was because maybe mom and dad was really went through some hard times. So they don't know how to be really a mom and dad. I'm sure some of that, maybe they were trying to say that to you. But for the majority, they were responding out of their own insecurities and unworthiness that have been spoken over their lives and so what happens is, is if, you're, if you're trying to follow God what happens is, is that because you're insecure with who you are in Christ then what happens is, is you're trying to get this idea of holiness to work itself out through a framework of rules and regulations and behavior that holiness was perfect holiness can never be achieved by good behavior The perfect holiness of God can never be achieved by how good you are. Because you can never measure up to it. And so we strive, don't we? Oh man, I messed up here, but I'm, I'm going to really try to do better over here. And so we begin to bargain through our behavior. Okay, I got this issue here, but I'm going to be, to be better. I, I, I'll try to be better. I'll, I'll, I'll spend more time with my kids. I'll, I'll read my Bible more. I'll try and pray more. I've been praying. doesn't seem to work. And all, we're, we're trying to bargain back and forth because we can't deal in our own power this thing in us. And because we have a wrong understanding of the holiness of God that is about my behavior instead of the behavior of Christ himself, see, what was accomplished for you was not because you were good, it's because he is good. And the holiness of who he is has to be satisfied because of the sinfulness of who we are, which is why the love aspect came into play to satisfy the holiness. Holiness is no longer something that you have to be afraid of as long as you process it through the right channels. But if you don't, and you live, come from a legalistic background, you're going to live in fear the rest of your life. And it's the wrong type of fear, and it's a fear that's not your inheritance. And it's paralyzing. It's controlling. And it's what makes you afraid in every single area of your life. my gosh, what are my kids doing right now? Where are they at? What'd they do and who'd they do it to? I'm, I'm so concerned about my reputation. I'm a pastor, and my kids like, you know, it, it, it. <laughs> just Wednesday night, this was funny, and I take it as funny, but uh, 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 Lily's sitting in class, and, and they're doing memory verses, and Lily's eating an apple and says, ain't nobody got time for that, right? Right? <laughs> No, no, that's not what I want to hear. But if I'm living by holiness, a wrong type of holiness that's legalistic, what I'm going to do is I'm going to punish that behavior. And I'm going to make sure that you don't make your mom and dad look bad in front of this congregation. Right? Sound familiar to anybody? You've got an expectation that you better live up to, and if not... We're going to crack that whip. Oh, that's a song. Correct that. Never mind. (laughs) This is what a mind, this is how a mind with ADD functions, people. When music just comes into my mind, I just blurt it out. Okay. Thank you. I got an amen over there. All right. So we'll move along. And so if I, if I want to live by a, a legalistic holiness mindset, I'm going to punish those who don't live up to the expectation that I have set down for holiness living that I myself have never lived up to, but I expect my children to. I'm not saying we don't discipline. We do. But uh, we've we got to try not to discipline out of, from a legalistic holiness aspect. And we've got to switch over and, 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 and discipline from A loving aspect, because whom the Lord loves, He, right. So our discipline has to come through love, and a right understanding. And love gives us a a a great understanding of the holiness of God as well, too. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Have you ever thought about the fact that these celestial beings, the seraphim, which uh, there's when you look that up in in uh, the Hebrew, it's got two meanings. One is a serpent, fiery, poisonous serpent. I thought that was interesting. The other is just like, hey, these six-winged things that fly around God and shout holy. That was basically it. There's really no much, you know, real understanding. Anything else would be, you know, maybe a su- subjection, or maybe it looks like this, maybe it looks like that. But that, thats kind of what it gives us: is these six-winged things that fly around, shouting holy. Two wings cover their eyes. Two wings cover their feet. I don't know about the feet, but it does. And then two foot wings fly. And they just shout holy. But you ever realize that these beings have never sinned? The seraphim, they've never sinned. And, and, and they've never rebelled against God. Or they'd have been kicked out. You don't get to rebel against God as as the devil did and then yell around and shout about his holiness in his presence. So they've never sinned. They they never rebelled against the Lord and have never been out of his presence. And and still, they are are still kept eternally awestruck by his holiness. You see, I can understand... Human like me, Isaiah, anybody else, you know, falling flat, you know, just holy, you know, I, I don't, I can't even look at it because I'm so sinful and all this different kinds of stuff. And here's these beings, celestial beings created by God, not necessarily in his image, we're created in his image, but they're created, they've never sinned, they've never rebelled. So it's not like, oh, there's God's holiness, that's pretty cool, yeah, I saw that, you know, last millennia. It was really awesome. You should see it if you haven't. There's there's no there's no commonness to the holiness of God, even though there's no sin in their midst. There's there's not, they've always they've acted accordingly and done what God has told them to do whenever He's told them to do it. And still, the holiness of God affects them in that way. What does that say about His holiness? There's no talk around the water cooler in heaven. Whew. Yeah, just got done with the holiness stuff. Man, it's getting tiring. You know, I worked a 12-hour shift shouting holy. There's, there's none of that stuff around the water cooler in heaven. There's, there's, no, there's no break time. Sorry, Rich, but the only union that was formed in heaven got kicked out. They tried to unionize against the father, and it didn't work. We have fun. You should come and have fun with us someday. All right. He's gonna get me back tomorrow. Just wait. <laughs> He'll have something. All right. Um, secondly, is uh, their direct, their declaration is so strong, you know, that we talk about that the foundations of the doors are shaken in the temple. And smoke fills the temple. His holiness is so perfect that none of us can really respond to it except like Isaiah did. And look what he does. This is what the holiness of God does when you come in front of it, right? It reveals how unholy you really are. Because the first thing that Isaiah does when he stands before it, as he says, he's, whoa, whoa. It, it's almost as if he's like, whoa, do not get too close. <laughs> because I am a man of unclean lips. The first thing he does is talks about himself and the unholiness of who he really is. And, I'm, you know, I, you know if, we, if Isaiah were around us today and going to church with us, we'd probably like, man, I, Isaiah, he is the example to follow, man. He just loves God. He just is like, you know, in our comparison, we take Isaiah and we're like, man, that guy is awesome. I always come to him with a problem and he's always so loving. Well, he's not, but he really hits me with the word of God because he's a prophet, right? And, and so he always tells the truth. He's, he's, you can rely on what he says and blah, blah, blah. And as soon as that type of guy gets in the presence of pure holiness, there's nothing he can do except say, whoa. He's not going to let the holiness of God get too close before he starts confessing. As if God didn't know that he was a man of unclean lips. Whoa, I'm a man of unclean lips. And not only that, but I come from an unclean people. So he doesn't separate himself from the people that he's called to prophesy to who are sinning and walking away from God. So he's not coming for God to say, hey, I know I'm not perfect, but have you seen what they did? See, the holiness of God doesn't allow for that kind of bartering. It it just you're just impacted by it. You don't hardly have an, an understanding of it, and and it's pure and it's not sinful, and it's the most incredible and and powerful thing that you've you've ever seen and and the only thing you know how to do is confess i'm a man of unclean lips and and not only that but i i dwell among a people of unclean lips from isaiah's point of view he's like don't get too close i don't think i could stand it because of the difference Because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I'm beholding something that I know in my humanness I should not be able to behold. And so he's brought to that point and the holiness of of who God is. And then finally a seraphim flies to him. And in his hand was glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. It's very descriptive, isn't it? And he touched my mouth with it, Isaiah says. And he says, now this has touched your lips. Your wickedness is removed and your sin is atoned for. How serious is this? See, something's got to be dealt with when it comes to the, when we're, we're, we're standing in, or <laughs> face down before the holiness of God. Isaiah's like, I, I got nothing. Because your holiness is perfect and, and the only thing I see in, in, from the beauty of what I'm seeing is is about myself and how unworthy and how unholy I am. And I am unclean. That's a very serious thing for a Jew to declare. I don't know if you know that. He says, I am unclean. It doesn't matter. He's not coming to him and said, oh, thank God, I have not violated any laws and I'm ritually clean. He's not saying that. He's not talking about the rituals that were set up to keep you clean. When Isaiah comes before him, it's no longer about rituals. Isaiah is confessing the things of his heart. That no outer ritual can change. The law can only expose the, the deficit in you in comparison to, to who God is. And Isaiah says, I got nothing. I stand before you and, and I'm Guilty of everything you say. And I got no excuse. And so he's touched and his, he's purified and his wickedness is removed so that he can remain in the presence of Almighty God. And I think that when the presence of God comes and... and there are times when, when God comes and you can tell it's him and, and God's speaking to you and you should be reverent for that. But there are, there are other times when God comes that you know this is serious stuff. I mean, God is, it's always serious. You should never like push away. But there are times when God comes to deal with stuff or God wants to communicate where, where it's like, This is business. This is not something to be joking about. This is not something to be irreverent about. This is the God of the universe that is coming to either deal with something, confront something, tell me something, and it seems to be very serious to him, and your spiritual discernment can pick up that atmosphere he's given to you. He will not let you come into that type of presence without warning you about it first. And the need to take it Seriously. God's holiness re- revealed shows us how far we are from it. The New Testament tells us this, right? For Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. We are all falling short of it. There is none that are righteous. No, not run. In Romans 3.10, Psalms 14 and Psalm 53, the declaration. There are none that are righteous. And you know, in a world that we're living in, in cultural Christianity, that's basically based on you're pretty good guys, so you're probably gonna make it. When you compare it to the scriptures <coughs> of, what, of, what, of what they're declaring, and, and they never say, eh, you're probably gonna be just fine, don't worry about it. They never look at your life As as the baseline of whether you'll be accepted or not. As a matter of fact, Isaiah would say, hey listen, your righteousness is like filthy rags. It means nothing compared to the holiness of who he is. You're going to need something to deal with what you've got that offends the holiness of who he is. And it ain't going to be your works. It's not going to be how good you think you are. You're going to need something to come in and deal with the sinfulness of who you are. It's not going to be your friend. It's not going to be the coattails of your mom and dad's religion. What scares me more than anything is that there will be people on that final day who never thought they were going to hell? I never thought they were. My fear is the things you'll hear from their mouths are the things of, "But I didn't do anything bad. I, I never killed anybody." I, I, I never robbed anybody. I, I, never, I never did this stuff. I, I wasn't as bad as that guy. That guy did worse things. Why does he get to go? But I have to remain. Somewhere down the road, that guy grabbed hold of Jesus. And you never saw the value in it. You based your holiness on how good you were going to be. And it didn't make it. It ain't going to matter if you're offended. It ain't going to matter if somebody did something to you that put you in that place of offense. It ain't going to matter if you were wounded. It ain't going to matter if you were hurt. It ain't going to matter if you were abandoned. It ain't going to matter any of that type of stuff. And that sounds insensitive. I'm not trying to be insensitive. What I'm telling you is that the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection has the ability to deal with anything that you're going through right now you have the the possibility to be healed saved healed and delivered from whatever the world the enemy or people have done to you the power of the gospel can bring life back into you and so it never is okay for you to use those things as an excuse to push the father away I mean, some people have been through some horrible things in this world. Horrible things. And there are those that have dealt with it through the the power of the cross, through Christ, and their whole countenance and life has been changed because of what God did. Not through the countless hours of worldly therapy, not biblical therapy but worldly therapy that focuses on you and how wounded you are. And you deserve, you need to, do, de- you know, there's a type of, 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 of therapy that the world brings you that tells you you need to stay right where you are in your woundedness and allow yourself to be angry at everybody and hate and all these different kinds of things. It's not, biblical counseling it's not kingdom counseling but it keeps you in a place where you're always going to be affected by what has happened in the past instead of embracing the healing and the calling that God has for you now and into a glorious future in his kingdom get out of here fly shoo fly don't bother me is this making sense okay my encounter with the Holy God should drive me to my face in awe and thankfulness. Why thankfulness? Because Jesus took what he didn't own to give me what I didn't deserve. That's why my encounter with God is full of thankfulness. Do you begin to understand now why, why Jesus has to came sinless and remain sinless? It beginning to make sense to you now because there's arguments about this you know Uh, um, you look at some scriptures that deal with the sinlessness of Jesus and I just wrote them down here Uh, 1 Peter 2 22 for we uh, oh excuse me he who committed no sin nor was deceit found in his mouth you see he's willing to come to the earth right He's going to do the will of his father, but the will, of, but to do that, he has to he has to come into the world perfect, holy, perfect holiness, and 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 to to I, it's almost like there's this, you know, I, I look at this like you know they're they're hashing this out in the contracts of heaven, <laughs> you know, and and it's like it's like uh, uh they're and the devil's like you know okay but uh, uh, I got to have this and blah 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 and 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 it's almost as like. God's saying, you can have what you want, I win. (laughs) I win. It's like, well, okay, but, you know, uh, think about it this way. So, uh, in the Old Testament, you have the book of Job, right? Have you considered my servant Job? And what does the devil do? Yeah, does he follow you for nothing? I mean, surely he's following you because you've given a lot of good things, right? Take him away and see what happens. And what does the father do? I'll bet on that. Do what you do, but don't take his life. Okay. In, 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 uh, in the New Testament, the, you know, the, we, we get, it's in us, people. The glory and the holiness of, of who God is resides in us. And so, and so it's like Jesus is coming and, and okay, so, so, okay, so Job made it, great, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But let's see you do it. <laughs> I bet if you had to come to earth, God, and you had to walk through all this stuff, you'd probably fail. (laughs) So he comes to earth. Comes in perfection. devil does his best, doesn't he? I imagine it's the same type of thing. Do what you have to do with him, but you can only take his life at that point. As a matter of fact, you don't get to take his life at all. He's going to offer it. You get no function in his death. He's going to give that himself. So this is where you go into Matthew chapter 4, don't you? Let's, let's see, let's see how, how strong God really is. He may have came perfect, but he's not going to remain perfect. We're going to throw all these tests at him. He's going to fast for 40 days, <laughs> water, bread, all these different kinds of things. Let's get him. He's going to crumble somewhere because he doesn't know what it's like to be human. Let, let's do that. Passes every test, man. He has to. Or we remain forever gone from his presence. There's no plan B, right? This is why Jesus is so serious. It's serious. To, it, it's important for us to take Jesus serious. In 2 Corinthians, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. 1 John 3, 5, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So he took away our sins. He becomes a sacrifice for it. Our sins are upon him, but he's still not internally affected by it. There's no sin in him. He remains sinless. To take your sin. Even his conception. And the angel, in Luke 1.35, and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you and therefore also the Holy One who is to be born to you will be called the Son of God. Why? Because he's the firstborn of all creation. Okay. So perfect holiness which is given to you when you receive Christ has come from the Father and that's not something you've earned or is dependent on your ability to be good or follow the law perfect holiness depends on the ability and the performance of Christ and he did it I was sitting in prayer the other day uh As I was sitting, uh, I, I felt the Lord asked me a question. Now, this is, this is not. Understand that when I share with you something, I, I'm not saying that this is infallible. This is just an impression that I got. So I just want you, I'm not one of those persons that, that believes that everything I say, you better follow to the letter of the law. I, I'm not, so you understand that. Okay, good. But I think it was the Lord, he started out with a question. And so I was just, you know, you know, when the Lord asks you a question, it's, <laughs> he's wanting to tell you something. So he said, do you, you want to know why the, do uh, so you want to know why that um, the demons, before Jesus ever spoke to them, they fell down before him and confessed who he was? And I'm like, sure, because <laughs> evidently I don't know that answer. And it was totally out of the blue. And I felt the Lord, I said, because he was perfect holiness. And they've never seen that before on the earth. See, the holiness of who he was was taking steps. Now, they saw it in heaven a long time ago, but they'd never seen it in a man you see, you see he left heaven. He wasn't partial human, he was fully human. And he was fully perfect. There was no sin in him. And when they came around that presence, they recognized what it was and they knew what they should be doing. And that is, have you come to destroy us before the appointed time? We know who you are, Christ, the son of the living God. I'm not so sure that they would have recognized him by his face. I don't know. The Bible declares him as as Jesus being, he wasn't like this beautiful guy. He wasn't like Clark Gable. You know, people didn't look at him and say, hey, that's got to be the son of God because he's beautiful. I mean, I'm beautiful, and nobody's ever said that about me. <laughs> nobody's ever confused my beauty with the glory of heaven. That said he came in humbleness, and there was nothing about him that you would look at that would draw you to his physical appearance. But there was something in the, in the part of him in the inside that drew everybody to him that made the demons fall before him and cry out in fear. One of them is like, blah! Sorry. You know? Who are you? We're a legion. Can you just throw us into pigs? Could you throw us into these pigs over here and, and we'll just run off the cliff? Sorry, we spoke out of turn. I mean, I'm just imagining this kind of conversation because the enemy is all blow. And when he comes before the true holiness of God, he bows just like anybody else. The devil is not going to be standing at the end of the, the judgment throne before the Father, about to go in the lake of fire, uttering curses. I think he's going to be begging and pleading. <laughs> I think it's going to be the final, I really made a mistake and I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be thumbing his nose. I, nobody does. Nobody does. If they're bowing before the holiness of God on the earth, they're going to be crying unbelievably before the holiness of the Father in heaven at the end. I've heard people say that at times, or I've heard it from somebody else, I can't remember who, people saying that when they get to heaven, they're going to walk right up and give God a piece of their mind. Okay. I think they think that now. But I think when they get there, it's going to be a different story. And I pray that they meet him now before they get there. Because they're not going to give him a piece of their mind. If they haven't received Jesus, they're going to scream in absolute horror of what they're facing. The holiness and the wrath of God when they had every opportunity to receive peace with the Father and reconciliation with the Father through Christ. Oh, His holiness is perfect and His holiness is true and His holiness is serious and His holiness is something not something to be laughed about or joked about. It's something to be in reverent fear of. It's, it's beautiful. It's glorious. If you go back to Isaiah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and his glory fills the whole earth. There is something that is attached, the holiness of who God is, with his glory. So the glory of God that hits the earth is really an expression of the holiness of who he is. It can come into a room and you can miss it. I don't know if you knew that. See, the glory of God in the Old Testament, which came with smoke and came with all that kind of stuff, you know, you could see that. But about hundreds of years, maybe a thousand years later, depending on what point in time, the glory of God is all over Jesus. And all these prayers that they'd offered up to God about putting them back on the map and restoring everything and all this different kinds of stuff, bring the glory back, God, all this, uh, you know, send the glory, Lord, you know, all, whatever songs they would have sang about the glory of God and all this different kinds of stuff was answered when Jesus walked into the temple in the final week of his life. And although they were singing these songs with their lips... They, their hearts were far from him and dishonoring of him because of what the condition of the temple was when he walked in. And so then you saw Jesus get holy, didn't you? You saw him make a whip of cords and you saw him drive out all these people from the temple because they were using it to buy and sell. And, and please, that, that's not a rule. <laughs> people that says, oh, we shouldn't. People are coming to sell merchandise when they speak we, or sell books. We, we can't have that in the sanctuary. Jesus drive them out. has nothing to do with that. Nothing. That's legalistic garbage. What it has to do with is that these people were selling sacrifices to people who were coming to actually want to meet with God and the whole sacrificial system was messed up. They were selling them things that weren't perfect. the, The religious people of the day were not serving the people who were desiring to come to God and offer a sacrifice. And so they were like, hey, you know, come on down and get your sacrifice at half price, although it's not perfect. And they were charging exorbitant prices to it, more than what people could afford. So they were, they were hosing the flock. And they were literally blocking people from coming and, and participating. What their heart was probably drawing them to was to be in, in some kind of reconciliation with the Father. But because they had their own set of religious rags and holiness, they were self serving and keeping people far from God. And Jesus sees all this, and this is what ignites a holy fire within them. Because he's like, Not on my watch. He says, "This, This is a place of prayer, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. Are you crazy? And he's getting out that whip, man. And he's turning over tables. And he's causing a holy chaos in his father's house because of what people have done with that. When was the last time you let Jesus go through your temple with a whip and clean out all the defilement that has collected in life over the years that you thought you'd be okay with, that you thought was just, eh, it's not as big a deal. But when it comes into the holiness of who he is, he, he wants to come. He's not, gonna, he's not gonna strike you with lightning like a Zeus would. The things he's coming with are gonna clear out the defilement that's in you that you really don't need. So what may feel like a pinch in the beginning is going to be the relief of deliverance in the end. Oh, I need it. I, if I want the, the holy fire to come, and rest in me, he's probably going to have to come with a, a whip of cords and, and clear some money changers out of it first. Sometimes it's, it, it's okay every now and then to allow him to come through and bring in a little bit of the, bring a little bit of the holy chaos and the holy fire in to clean out what have I, what I have, have allowed to defile. Holiness is serious. And I'm not perfect and you're not perfect and we get that. And that's where we'll get to practical holiness and how it works itself out in us. Amen? Thanks for joining with us today. And if that message touched your heart in some way, please let us know by emailing us at Aol.com. You can also find us and reach out to us on Facebook. And we hope that you will join us again for another podcast from Kingdom Life Community Church.